once again I'm talking to you, but at the moment I'm not um, I'm not going through scripture, but I want to speak about something that happened to me actually last Sunday um, when I was having a, a time with the Lord. And it's quite interesting because I can do something you can't do. And, um, well, you can't do it in the same way that I can. <laughs> and uh, it, it's something which is, is, is to me, is very important because what I was meditating on is the way that the Lord has led me all my life. And looking back, it, it's quite clear. I was trying to actually find out when I was really conscious that the Lord was leading me. And I suppose it all goes back to when I was 15. And um, as you know, you know my story, how that I was with a group of young people on holiday and the Lord called me out, uh, separated me from the group for some while while he dealt with me. And there's no question he was calling me to serve him. He wanted everything and I only got peace when I literally surrendered everything in my life to him um, because I'm, I'm aware of the scripture where Jesus says many are called but only a few are chosen. I, I just felt from that moment that God had really specifically chosen me for a purpose. And as I was meditating, and I do go back to revisit that place. I've been back a few times, a number of times, to that place where I met with the Lord. And usually I go back there to thank him and say, well, thank you, Lord, that you, you, you called me in, that, in such a remarkable way. But the point that I'm trying to make is that the thing which was in my mind um, last Sunday while I was in prayer and meditating on the Lord is a sense of gratitude to the Lord for the whole of my life because I just have a feeling looking back, age 91, as I am at the moment, looking back that virtually every part of my life seems to have been planned and organized by the Lord and of great benefit. And I was really thanking him, saying, well, thank you, Lord, that you took control of my life. Thank you for all, all the things that you organized and all the things that you've done all my life. And I don't regret anything. I, I, I wouldn't change it. I'm so grateful to you for, for all that happened, even with the cancers and with the prison and with the assassination attempts and all the other things, it was all part of a plan. And I just thank you. And I I, I really was trying to spend, in fact, I, I, I went out for a walk to, <laughs> to really take time and thank the Lord for what he's done uh, right throughout my life and trying to imagine when I was really first conscious of his planning, and I suppose it goes back to when I was 17 or 18, very, very conscious that everything, in, including the uh, job I had at that time, 17, in the, in the bank in the City of London, and then, of course, when I went to the Bible College and the fact that 
I was singled out amongst the students to uh, pastor that church in Dorking full-time, in addition to be a full-time student. And out of all this, I just felt so, so much that God had done that. He had the hand. I loved it. I mean, I was so excited. Here I was. All the others were just um, studying in college. I could do that as a sideline while I was full-time running a church with all its meetings and all its visitation and so on. And it, it seems that from that time forward, everything, every move in my life seems to have been planned for, by the Lord. I didn't realize at the time, but looking back now, I just thank God for every move, for everything, how even after two years in that church, how I was specifically chosen to uh, go to another church to hold that crusade and just everything. And um, I, 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 I'd been listening to a song, actually, um, uh, where the soloist is singing only one life to offer. And, you know, I was saying, Lord, one life isn't enough. Um, it's going to lead me on to something I'll tell you in a moment. But I'm just saying to the Lord, one life isn't enough. <laughs> if I could live the lives of a hundred men, I could never repay the Lord uh, for what he's done. And it's a sense right up to now, everything even now that's happening in my life. Um, oh, yes, I've made mistakes. I've done silly things. But uh, even where I've done what I would regard to be wrong and things that I shouldn't have done, yet God even turned those things to a purpose and, and, and a blessing in my life. And I, I was just saying to the Lord, I, I wish I could live the lives of a hundred men because even then I couldn't repay you um, for what you've done. And I, 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 I sense in my life that serving God is, is, is not just something that I do as a job. It's just really in gratitude for what the Lord has done. I owe him so much. I can never, ever repay the debt that I owe. And then as I was thinking about it more deeply, um, there's a sense with all of you that are listening to me and as well as myself that even our salvation, and I was meditating on that, yes, our salvation is such a great miracle that the Lord came down to rescue us as individuals and chose us uh, when we were yet sinners and away from God. And God, uh, you know, we owe him a debt for that. But I just sense that I've got a double debt because while I was thanking the Lord for his salvation and what that's meant in my life, I, I, I was thanking him because of the way that he's led me, you know, all my life. He's, he, he's led me and directed me and planned everything in advance. And uh, it, it's not just salvation. That's, that's, I, I, I need to give my life to him for that, yes. But more than that, it, it's the way that since I've known him and since, I suppose, that moment when I was 15, when I, I really knew that the Lord was calling me to give him everything. I mean, that's what it was. It was 
It was a, a battle and the Lord was saying, I, I want you, I want everything. And I'm saying, I've done enough. I was already preaching in the church. I'd been baptized. I'd uh, even received the Holy Spirit and, uh, and so on. But the Lord was saying so much more. He want, just wanted everything. And I, I just, as a young 15-year-old, I just had to give him everything. And it was very dramatic, I never forget, um, the impact that it had on my life. And so I, I was just, I don't know, it's just this last Sunday for me was um, an incredible day because I was just saying, Lord, just thank you. Thank you that you chose me. Thank you that um, you planned my life for me. Thank you for all the things that you've done, absolutely everything, good and bad, everything. I love you for it, Lord, and can never thank you enough for the planning. Do you see what I'm trying to say? For the planning in my life, the way that you you worked everything out for me and uh, where I was moved to, what I was called to do, and <laughs> everything. And I, and I can't think of anything that I was looking back at saying, Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for that. I thank you for what you did in my life, everything. And the, the bad as well as the good. And, you know, I've had, I mean, people question sometimes why have you, in your position, why have you had cancer twice? But those cancers changed my life, both of them. The prison changed my life. I, I don't regret the prison. I don't regret the torture. I don't regret spending a year in, in that uh, terrible prison. It, it all had a powerful impact, just like going to Jerusalem when I hadn't the money to attend that conference in Jerusalem and I was determining what, uh, what could I do and I realize now I should have asked the Lord for the money, but I didn't. I said, Come, I want to do the hard way and go by road. But that, if, I'd, if God had given me the money and I'd flown out there, I would have never had this ministry because it was opening my eyes, traveling behind the Iron Curtain to see um, the situation that opened it up. And... Then all of this led me on because the verse that um, basically the Lord gave me that day uh, in reading is uh, basically it's from Romans 4 and it's in verses 20 and 21 and it's talking about Abraham. And then I got involved into this because it says in verse 20, uh, and I'm reading from the authorized version, Abraham didn't stagger, didn't question the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and was fully persuaded that God would do what he promised. Now, I preach on faith, and I preach a, a, a lot, and I'm, as you know, um, when I received the Holy Spirit, these, uh, Paul says, um, you know, covered earnestly the best gifts. And I said, look, I, I, I'm not bothered about the vocal gifts and I, I'm not even bothered about miracles and healing. I want the gift of faith. And, you know, how the Holy Spirit led me into that because it, it seems that wasn't my choosing. But 
I, 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 I need faith, and, 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 and I live by faith. And despite that, somehow I was challenged in a new way as I was sitting down and reading the scripture where it's speaking about Abraham, and he's saying he didn't stagger, he didn't question uh, the, 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 the belief, he didn't waver. He didn't waver, but at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was so strong in faith, giving God the glory, and he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he would do. Well, you know, it comes back. I have to look back at the beginning of Romans 4 for this because. Um, in chapter three, it's looking at um, uh, it's looking at all of the the, the faithful ones, uh, and and he says um, in verse twenty eight of chapter three. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law, because in verse twenty seven, where do you boast? You can't boast uh, in works, uh, because there is a different law. It's the law of faith. And then he goes on to verse 29, is he the God of the Jews only? No, he's not only the Jews, but also the Gentiles, seeing it's one God. So how does God justify us in this? And in, in chapter 4, it's going on saying um, that Abraham discovered if he was justified by the work that he did, or what? In verse 3, it's absolutely clear. Abraham believed God. And the more you look at this part of Scripture, the end of Romans 3 and, the, and in chapter 4, the whole question is, how did Abraham inherit the kingdom? Was it because of his obedience to the law, the Jewish law, or was it by faith? Because how are we placed as Gentiles? Do we have to keep the law, the, the, the uh, biblical law, the, the Hebraic law, the, the Ten Commandments, but all the other laws? No, we are not saved by that. Because um, what happens here is quite very clear in verse 3. What does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God. And that was accounted for righteousness. So he was saved. Even Abraham in the Old Testament was saved by faith, not by the keeping of the law. It even suggests that he wasn't um, circumcised until after this, that he wasn't saved by the circumcision, by the keeping of the law. He was saved by faith. And it was the righteousness he had came by faith. And that's the same with us. Our salvation is not by what we do. We don't work out our salvation and earn it by our works. Our salvation comes purely by faith, that Jesus paid the price for our sin, and that's it. And uh, so what I was looking at is 
And in a way, it was some um, comparison between with my life. No, I'm not saved by what I've done. I don't go to heaven because I've been an evangelist. I don't go to heaven because I served God and uh, the, or, or the things I do, the miracles that I see and the people I bring to know the Lord. No, I'm not saved by that. I'm saved by faith. And suddenly this became a challenge to me. Because as I was reading it, you look at Abraham. What kind of a faith did he have? Look, <laughs> you've got to uh, go back into verse seven, chapter 4, verse 17, as it's written. He promised, God had promised that Abraham would be the father of many nations. Uh, before, uh, even, before even the message of salvation, he believed that. But Abraham and Sarah's wife were childless. And yet, despite this, Abraham still believed and that he would become the father of many nations. And verse 19, he didn't, he didn't become weak in faith because of his age. He was about 100 years old, and <laughs> with a man to, to father children age 100, just takes some kind of a miracle. And he wasn't either, he didn't waver in faith because of Sarah's age, because you know women past childbearing age. Despite all the things against it, which said that it was impossible, he held on to belief that what God said, he would do it. And as you know, even when the child was born, uh, Isaac, uh, Abraham even offered up his son because uh, God asked Abraham to take his son and go to the mountain and to offer his son as a sacrifice. And Abraham was even bound his son, put him on the altar, lifted the knife, even though God, this was, look, in old age, a miracle had happened. They'd got the child. Now Abraham, in faith, is about to kill the son of promise, who is the only hope for the future. But he didn't waver. And I can tell you this. All right, I'm over 90, and, and I'm looking forward for the, the coming years of my ministry. But it was such a, and it's difficult to explain. There I was, waiting on the Lord, fellowshipping with the Lord, and the Lord was speaking to me. And it's as if I was saying to the Lord, look, there are certain things in my life which have not yet been fulfilled. There are promises that the Lord has given to me. There are various things in my life. You might be surprised. But even age 91, I know that there is a future. I know that there are things which still not only I have to do, but which God has to do. And I'm holding on in faith. But this, I needed this. And, you know, I didn't get it. I must admit, I didn't get it in church. I sometimes have to get away alone with the Lord to get these real challenges. But the Lord was really challenging me that 
it was Abraham's faith that God would fulfill every promise that gave him his righteousness. That's what it says. He wasn't, Abraham wasn't justified by what he did, although he was obedient, you know. Um, Abraham left his home, went out and spent the rest of his life in the wilderness. Uh, the Bible actually says when he left home, he didn't know where he was going. <laughs> he wandered in the wilderness. But despite this, Abraham wasn't saved by that. He was saved by his faith and his belief that God would fulfill every promise even when it was totally impossible. And you know, it's the same with me. I have to hold on because I know the things. There are things that God has promised in my life that are yet to be fulfilled. I mean, simple things like I believe God has said that I'm going to see greater miracles in the last years of my life than anything I've ever seen previously. Yes, I, I, I've seen incredible miracles. I suppose I've seen more miracles than any living man. I mean, it's not just healings. It's not just the raising of the dead, but it's the, the, the calming of the storms. It's, it's well, it's so much. Uh, you have to read some of the articles to, to see how incredible these miracles were. Uh, even, I mean, the calming of the storm in Caesarea, which was a, a more violent storm than Jesus stopped on Galilee. This was on the Mediterranean coast. But what God is saying to me, this is only a beginning. I'm going to show you bigger miracles. And in fact, a, a large part of my prayer time is praying over these bigger miracles that God is going to do in these last years of my life so that the end of my life is going to be a thousand times more powerful than anything in my younger days. What a challenge. But I believe it. And that's why I'm working as I am. That's why I work in Central Asia. But I don't know whether it's going to be Central Asia or where. I believe also that God said to me many, many years ago, so long ago, I can't remember when it was, but I believe God said to me, for example, you began in Israel because it was that journey to Israel in 1961 that launched all this. And I believe he said, you'll end in Israel. But I mean, when you look at Israel today, first of all, because of what I did in Caesarea, I was banned from Israel. I can't, uh, I can't travel there. I was banned from going there. Uh, and then look at the war situation or when I'm talking to you, uh, Israel is at war with Hamas in Gaza. But despite this, I know that God will take me back into Israel and perform powerful miracles there. Just as I believe that in Central Asia, God is going to show his power and work tremendous miracles. But if you can understand the two things that gripped me last Sunday was one, that like Abraham, I can never, uh, if I work a thousand years, I can never repay God for the way that he's blessed my life. 
even blessing me with cancer twice, blessing me with having me stuck in a communist prison for a year, all the other tragedies, yet all of these God used, and I thank God for them. And that's a powerful thing to do. And then when I read this verse, Abraham didn't waver in believing that God would fulfill his promise. I ended up, I can tell you, I ended up by praying, oh God, increase my faith. Give me greater faith. Give me faith like Abraham that to believe that you will do everything that you promised. And um, looking back, I was even uh, looking back at uh, the film we reproduced 23 years ago, The Rape of Europe, and seeing how so much of that is prophetic. Yeah, I think people have to look. I had to look at it again in answer to what happened. It's prophetic, and God will not fail. If only you could trust God like this. Oh, look, it's don't serve God for money. Don't serve God for anything else except that you've only got one life to offer, and that life can never repay the debt that you owe for your salvation. And for me, I've got a double debt, not just my salvation, but the way that God has led me through all these years. I owe such a debt, and I'm going to need to live more than another 20 years, 30 years, in order to try to repay the debt. And I don't want to go to heaven until I've repaid something more of the debt I owe. Thank you, Lord. My God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. When you are committed to and support the gospel, then stand on this promise that when you give to the extension of the kingdom, God will supply all your need. Jesus called it giving and receiving. This year God has given us wonderful opportunities to preach the gospel in Armenia, Georgia and Poland. And we continue to support Ukraine by distributing humanitarian and spiritual aid. For 12 months, our staff have helped the displaced, vulnerable and injured, supplying food and medicines. To make a donation, visit eurovision.org.uk forward slash donation. Strength for now and for eternity. David will guide you through the Apostle Paul's letters to the Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. David has written this book to strengthen your faith at a time when everything around us is being shaken. Join David as he delves deep into the truths of the Bible. Order David's book, A Firm Foundation, by visiting our website, eurovision.org.uk forward slash shop. We would like to give you a free gift. David Hathaway's Prophetic Vision magazine is available free of charge. All you need to do is ask for it. This faith-building resource will show you the path to revival in your life and ministry. To receive this free magazine, visit 
eurovision.org.uk forward slash magazine.